we bless you tonight you are worthy to be glorified you're worthy to be exalted and lifted in this place there is no God like unto our God none worthy none able to receive worship from our hearts except you so father we lift it to you tonight we say receive the worship of your people let your name be exalted in this place. Let your name be glorified in this place. Let your name be lifted high in this place. In Jesus' mighty name we have prayed. Amen. 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 And if you're happy to be in this place tonight, can you put your hands together? And please have your seats in the presence of the Lord. Amen. Amen. Have you said good evening to the person sitting beside you tonight? Can you say good evening? Ask them, how was your day? Awesome. Awesome. I hope you got a reply. If the person to your left isn't smiling, turn to your right and give them a big, big, big smile and say, how was your day? Awesome, awesome, awesome. You're welcome tonight. You're welcome tonight. All through the month, we've been dealing with the subject of fruitful, faithful, and fruitful. Amen? Just staring ourselves up again on um, what God's word says concerning liberality of soul, concerning giving. And I trust God that as you engage with God's word all through this month, you will see his word come to pass in your life. Amen. The Bible says not one jot, not one tittle of his word will go unfulfilled. Amen. 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 So I'm just going to dive right in tonight. We're dealing with the subject, the liberal soul. Can you preach with me tonight? Turn to your neighbor and say the liberal soul and ask the question, are you a liberal soul? Amen. Um, let's start out tonight looking at the scripture in Proverbs chapter 11. Proverbs chapter 11, from verse 25 to 28. Just before we do that, I have a word for someone tonight. And I was studying on the subject of Esau earlier tonight and asking God, how in the world does this tie in with my message? But I believe it's a word for someone in here tonight. If you recall in the Esau and Jacob story, um, their father had asked his son Esau to go out and get him a kid and present it to him so that he could bless him and give him the blessing of the firstborn. But before Esau could come back from that exercise, between Jacob and his mother, he had killed a lamb from the flock and he had taken the blessing. And when Esau came back and wanted that blessing, the Bible describes that he earnestly sought the blessing with tears running down his eyes, but it could not be had. But he asked his father, is there not yet one more blessing left for me? And in Genesis 27 and verse 40, their father Jacob said to him, their father um, Israel said to him, Isaac said to him, by your sword you shall live and you shall serve your brother and it shall come to pass when you become restless that you shall break his yoke from your neck. And I believe that God is speaking to someone tonight. You've been, just like we prayed earlier, um, Pastor Bawale led us through some prayers, breaking the cycle of effectivelessness. That someone here, you've been circling, it seems you've been going in circles round and round and round for a long time. And God is saying to you tonight that when you are tired, you will break that yoke off your neck. And I believe that God set you up in this season where we're dealing with financial stewardship and just staring ourselves up and learning what God's word says concerning finances. I believe that he's setting you up to indeed break that yoke off your neck and begin to walk in the levels of financial prosperity, physical prosperity, mind prosperity that he has ordained for you to walk in. 
I pray that this will be so in your life in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. So back to Proverbs. Proverbs 11 from verse 25. I'll read very quickly. The liberal soul shall be made fat, and he that watereth shall be watered also himself. In fact, let's read it all together. If you have that verse open, let's read together. One, two, let's go. The liberal soul shall be made fat, and he that watereth shall be watered also himself. Let's read it again one more time. The liberal soul shall be made fat, and he that watereth shall be watered also himself. Verse 26 says, He that withholdeth corn, the people shall curse him, but blessing shall be upon the head of him that selleth it. He that diligently seeketh good procureth favor, but he that seeketh mischief, it shall come unto him. He that trusteth in his riches shall fall, but the righteous shall flourish as a branch. The Bible says that the liberal soul shall be made fat. And I'm asking the question again, are you a liberal soul? In fact, what is a liberal soul? The New King James translation of that verse um, calls it a generous soul. And I define it as a generosity that just pours out of your spirit. It comes, it comes out of your inward person. Not a function of what you have, what you're holding in your pocket or what your bank account says. But a, gen- a quality of generosity that just pours out of your spirit. Amen. Jesus told a story about a liberal soul. And in fact, he he was comparing a liberal soul with the opposite, the very opposite of what a liberal soul is. And that story is in the book of Luke chapter 12. It's Bible study night, all right? So please stay with me, amen. We're going to open a lot of scriptures tonight. And I trust God that he will bring us all into a deeper level of understanding in Jesus' name. So Luke chapter 12 from verse 15 Do we have it? Awesome. Okay. Let's read together. From verse 15. Okay. I don't have the New King James on my... Okay. Let's read together. Luke chapter 12 from verse 15. And he said to them, take heed and beware of covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. Jesus had just um, been speaking with the people in this verse and he was warning them about the spirit of covetousness. You know, he was, it was a be careful kind of admonition that he was giving them here. From verse 16, it says, Then he spoke a parable himself within, and he spoke a parable to them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully. Someone say plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, what shall I do since I have no room to store my crops? So he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build greater. And there I will store all my crops and my goods. Then this is where the story really gets sweet. He says, and I will say to my soul, soul, you have many good things laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. And then we know, a lot of us know how the story ends. He was having a conversation with himself and telling himself all the plans that he had, both for that season and for the days to come, because what his crops had yielded plentifully. And then the giver of the soul, the keeper of men's spirits, the one who has the key to the gates of life, And all that is in it. The Bible says, came to take account that evening and says, okay, so the goods are yours. The ground was yours. The bands were yours. Both this one and the bigger one you want to build. But that soul, that soul that you're speaking to, I will take my own. And the Bible describes that. His soul was required of him that night. And then we will see who will possess all that you have gathered. And that is what happens to the man who hoards things for himself, the Bible says, and is not rich where God is concerned. This really is the subject of our discussion tonight. A liberal soul is rich where God is concerned. 
Amen. 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 And I know that we've had a number of encounters and teachings and we've probably heard one or two messages in the past concerning what is prosperity, what is financial prosperity. But tonight I want us to look inwards and ask within ourselves, how is my soul prospering? What is the quality of my relationship, my, my riches towards God? Because that really is the question tonight. I remember many years ago, I have a mentor um, who had given me a, told me a story many years ago about an encounter he had with God. And he said in that encounter, he recalls that he saw a man, it looks like a physical man, who had a really big head, but a very, very skinny body. And this man was dragging something like a heavy load behind him and struggling, obviously struggling with this load behind him. And when he came, you know, out of that encounter and asked God, what exactly does this mean? What is this? What is it I should be getting out of this encounter? And God brought it to his heart that so many of us assume that we have a strong status or that our relationship with God is strong enough to carry the weight of what God is calling us to do or calling us to be or calling us to, you know, deliver to our world. But there is a way we can be where our soul, our very soul is weak and unable to bear the weight of what God wants us to do. In 3 John 2, the Bible says, I wish above all things that thou prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. So there's a place for your soul to prosper, to, for you to live your Christian experience out of a liberal, prosperous soul. Amen. 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 Very important tonight. What is soul prosperity? How do you attain prosperity of your soul? It's about building depth within your spirit, within your soul, and being wealthy towards God and in the things of God. There's a poverty of soul that God detests. I think God absolutely detests it. And there is need for us to build ourselves because God cannot bless it. God cannot condone it. He calls us to a higher place. Amen? Amen, amen, amen. Having a liberal soul is a function of the generosity of your spirit and the love for God. I remember many years ago, the first time I heard um, a woman of God preaching and teaching and she talked about how some of you, when you're writing your tithe or you're writing an offering or a check to God, you write it down to the very last cobble. So if you're writing, for example, a tithe of 999 naira, 26 cobble. And she asked quite incredulously, are you asking God for change? You know, I'd never thought about it before. Write down to the last cobble. And in honest, in honest truth, up until that point, that really was who I was. I would calculate my tithe right down to the very last cobble. Not because I was trying to be stingy or anything, but I just thought, I mean, let us be accurate, financially accurate, isn't it? But, you know, hearing her speak that day, just it was like a mirror in my face asking, what is it? What, what is it that we have to calculate it right down to the very last cobble when it comes to the things of God? And I remember talking with someone else who mentioned to me once we were having a discussion concerning her marriage. And I mean, even with us, in the things of the flesh, our husbands, our wives, our boyfriend-girlfriend relationships. I remember speaking with this young lady once who said, you know what? It's not as though I don't work. I know I work. I know I earn a good salary. But I just want him to give me. That's all. I, just, just, I don't want him to give me, okay, take, go and pay for power bill, go and pay for water. I just want him to give me. And somewhere in the middle of that conversation, that sentence just kept ringing again and again and again in my heart. And God was saying to me, you know what? The same way you could hear the longing of her heart, can't he just be generous towards me? It's the way I look at you sometimes and I ask, can't you just be generous towards me? 
Not because I said I would give you a house. I mean, he is God. The Bible says that the cattle on a thousand hills are his. He's able to bless you with a car. He's able to give you a house. But he says, beyond all of those things, can I find a person, a man, a woman, who simply just wants to be generous and lavish towards me? Amen. I'm just going to describe some characteristics of a liberal soul tonight. And if you find yourself within these stories, um, I want you to say a good amen. If you find that there is one or two things that you know, you know that the light of God's word is shining a light on for you to correct and to adjust tonight. I want you to just take it in and receive grace from God tonight. Amen? Amen. Amen. There is a liberality of soul. That we need to attain unto. Amen. Amen. So number one characteristic of a liberal soul. A liberal soul does not account anything as too precious to give to God. Can we say that together? A liberal soul does not account anything as too precious to give to God. And I'll reference the alabaster box story in Luke chapter seven from verse 37 and we all know the story jesus prophesied and said anywhere that the story of jesus of my sacrifice of my life is told this story will be told because it was that big of a deal to god and the scripture describes that jesus was in the house of simon the leper and this woman came in she had heard the bible says that jesus was there and she came with this alabaster box representing a box of precious ointment I mean, the Bible theologians of our day have told us that the worth of the oil in that box was exceedingly precious. But she brought it that night and the Bible says she broke it and she lavished it on Jesus right there. The interesting thing is not just the fact of the alabaster box, but the fact that there were people in that room who didn't bring their own alabaster boxes, who didn't bring anything precious to present that night, but they were indignant about how this woman could dare to come and do this lavish display of affection on Jesus. And Jesus turned to them and asked, look, I've been in this house. I don't know when I, when I, since how, for long, how long he had been there. But he said, you did not give me water to wash my feet. But since I came in, this woman has been kissing my feet. You didn't wipe my feet. She has poured oil and anointed my body for burial. And then he tells a story about two people who owed money. And he asks them a question, who would love more? The one who was forgiven less or the one who was forgiven more? And I ask myself sometimes, what is it that inhibits us or keeps us from being that generous person towards God? Sometimes we're just a little forgetful. We forget how far God has brought us. We forget how much God has done for us. Can you speak to your neighbor tonight and tell them, do not forget. You've been forgiven much. You can love much. Amen. Secondly, a liberal soul sees a need and seeks to meet it regardless of whose responsibility it is. We see it again from the story, the alabaster box story. Jesus was in the house of Simon the leper, the Bible says. And Jesus, Jesus asked him, okay, I've been in your house this while. It's normal pra- it was normal practice in that day and age that when you have a visitor in your house, you wash the visitor's feet, you know, at least clean off the sand from the journey. It was a very dusty and, you know, dry environment. Okay, fine, it wasn't done. But this woman noticed that something can be done for this Jesus. This wonderful, precious, beautiful Jesus. And she sought to meet that need. Amen? Number three, a liberal soul is not intimidated by the size of the need. You know, sometimes, um, and in my own personal work with God, I've seen that sometimes we, you might hear God whisper to you. And I'm assuming, of course, that from time to time you've heard God speak to you or maybe felt a nudge in your heart where God was saying maybe do this or give that and you wonder but what's in my pocket really can't sort it out God why 
you know, it must not be the voice of God because God knows that I can't even carry it. I can't even finish that need. But God knew, amen. He knew already that there was a need that seemed bigger than you. The little boy with his lunch of five loaves of bread and two fishes, God knew that there was a need that was bigger than him. So it really wasn't about the size of what the boy was carrying. It was the willingness to give it away and put it in the master's hand and let him pour it out as he seemed fit. Amen. A liberal soul will always witness mighty miracles because it's never strictly about what is in your hand. It's about what God wants to do. You recall the story of David in... Second Samuel chapter 7, where um, he went to the prophet Nathan, yes, and said I wanted to, he wanted to build God a house. And the prophet thought, oh, that's a wonderful thing. Go ahead, do what's in your heart. And then God went to the prophet Nathan. I'll just read from Second Samuel chapter 7. Okay, verse 3. Then Nathan said to the king, go do all that is in your heart, for the Lord is with you. Verse 4, but it happened that night that the word of the Lord came to Nathan saying, go and tell my servant David, thus says the Lord, would you build a house for me to dwell in? You know, moving on, moving on, moving on to verse 8. Now therefore, thus shall you say to my servant David, thus says the Lord of hosts, I took you from the sheepfold, from following the sheep to be ruler over my house, over Israel. And I have been with you wherever you have gone. I've cut off your enemies. I have made you a great name. Moreover, I will appoint a place for my people Israel and will plant them. So God spoke a blessing upon the people of Israel who were David's, um, you know, David was king over the people of Israel at that time. But beyond speaking a blessing over the people of Israel, God spoke a blessing concerning David. Concerning you, David, you, you want to build me a house. I will build you a house. And not only will I build you a house, I will uphold that house. Amen. I think there's just something about a generosity of spirit towards God. Recall that this is the same David who went to the threshing floor of Arauna. And Arauna offered to give this threshing floor to the king and say, look, go ahead, make your sacrifice to God. And he said, no, 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 no. I won't give my God what costs me nothing. There was just something about the quality of David's heart towards giving to God. That he recognized that there was nothing too big. There was nothing too precious. There was nothing that God could not ask for at any time, T. Amen. And really, what are the things that we account as too precious or too big or too heavy to release into God's hands? I think what we need to do sometimes is just to take our eyes off the physical things and really put our eyes where they should be on the limitlessness of God. Because I believe that if we understand who our God truly is, it will not be a problem at any time T to be generous of heart and liberal of soul towards him. Amen. 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 A liberal soul also captures strange thoughts from God's mind. You remember again that the verse we just read, God asked him, who told you to build me a house? I mean, I can almost picture it in my mind when I read that passage of scripture. I imagine what was going through God's mind when he was thinking about it. Like, see this boy, who sent you? you? You want to build me a house. And you know, the passage started out sounding like God was saying, how impertinent can you be? But if you read it very well and read between the lines, you understand that God was like, eh? Really? It entered into your heart to build me a house. How did you even think about that? And then God just began to bless and to bless and to bless and to bless. How does a man imagine that he would do something that lavish for God? The liberality of your soul allows you to capture strange thoughts. Strange thoughts that delight the heart of God. Amen. 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 A liberal soul also counts giving to be a great privilege. Amen. 
And I know that we're in a time and in a season where it seems, if anything, that we should be the ones getting and not giving. Amen? Amen. I mean, you can talk to me. The sign of the times. All you have to do is read the pages of the newspapers to see what they're saying about the recession, about the price of Naira dollar. Amen? We know, I know, I know, we live in a time and season where it almost seems as if we should be counter to what the Bible describes as the law of sowing and reaping. But you see, if it's a law of God and if it's a principle of God's word, it will work in recession, it will work in seasons of drought, it will work in seasons of plenty. Amen? Amen. Amen. So it's up to us if we choose to align with God's word. Genesis 26 describes that Isaac sowed in that same land. In that same land where there was a famine and there was a drought. So you see, there's something about being in a place of largeness. Having an account that is rich and fat towards God. That makes you defy whatever is occurring in the environment. Amen. Because you're taking your cue from heaven and not from the size of your bank account. Can you just preach that with me tonight and tell someone beside you that you should take your cue from God's account. And not the size of your bank account. Amen. Because the size of your account with God has the power to move, to change, to adjust what is occurring in your physical bank account. Amen. And someone is wondering, but I mean, I should be wealthy first before I become just, just make me wealth. Let God just let me hammer now and you will see how generous I can be. Unfortunately or fortunately, that's just not the way it works in the kingdom. It's John D. Rockefeller that said, if I had not learned how to tithe my first $1.50, I wouldn't be able to tithe my first million. Amen. It's a function of the state of your heart, not just what is physically in your hand. Amen. 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 So count giving to be a privilege. Grow in the grace of giving. Amen. 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 A liberal soul also isn't strictly motivated by the reward. Again, I say it, God God's word to us is that if you sow, you will reap. If you give, you will receive. That is God's word. It's his principle. It cannot be broken. But a liberal soul doesn't put that at the forefront of its mind when you're giving towards God. And my reference for this is Abraham and Isaac. If you recall um, the story, Abraham had waited many, many, many years for his son, for this precious son of promise, Isaac. And just when I would think it would be time for him to sit down and enjoy the fact that now I have an heir, this son of promise, God tells him, take your son, your precious son, and go and give him on the, pla- on the mountain that I will show you. And that was it. The Bible doesn't say, look, I promise you that if you give this son, you will get this or that. I mean, have you ever seen that in the Bible anywhere? I've searched and I didn't find anything like that. I don't know if you have a different translation of the Bible. If you do, you can just let us know now and we'll we'll all check with you very quickly. There was no promise of anything. All Abraham had was the strength of his convictions that this God I serve is worth it. He's worth everything I can give. He's worth anything I have to give. Amen. And we know the story. Abraham took his son, his precious, God even said, your, that, that one, that precious son. Just in case you were wondering if I was asking for a servant in your house. That precious son. And he takes that son up to the mountain, the Bible says, and was willing to give him as a sacrifice. But where I'm going tonight is, again, you can almost hear the same tone of that conversation that God had with David. When David said, I want to build you a house, I was like, you want to build me a house? Ha! This boy wants to scatter my head. You almost hear the same tone of conversation right here. And just before Abraham sacrifices his son, an angel of the Lord stops him and says, no, that's the ram. That's the ram that you will kill. And then from verse 6, 
I'll read from verse 13. Then Abraham lifted his eyes and looked, and there behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by its horns. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up for a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called the name of the place the Lord will provide, as it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. Then the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time out of heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, says the Lord, because you have done this thing and have not withheld your son, your only son, blessing, I will bless you. And multiplying, I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heaven. Amen. And on and on to the end of that portion of scripture. You can almost hear God saying, this Abraham, you have, you, you have just completely blown my mind today. You didn't withhold this son. This son. When I play this account in my mind, because I play it like a film in my mind when I'm meditating on this scripture. It's the Bola Akinlabi version, revised standard version of this portion of scripture. In my mind, in that place where God is saying, you did not withhold your son. I imagine him standing on his feet and bending over and saying, what? And turning to the host of heaven and saying, did you see what just happened? Did you see what a man did? Not an angel, a human being. Those are the men I created. I made him see my creation and I can just imagine God making an open boast about us sometimes when we do those lavish you know out of this unexplainable gestures just to say you know what God you are God and I love you I don't need a reason to bless you you are God you've blessed me enough you gave me Jesus your son. You redeemed my life from hell. I don't need any other reason just to be lavish towards you. And just pour my life out on you. Amen. 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 Abraham provoked something in God that day. And we have the opportunity to provoke God. Right where we are. So maybe God won't ask you for your son. Maybe God won't ask you for the precious son that you have asked for for many years. But there's something that God may have been speaking to you. And you know, there's a way you can fill your mind with what is in your hand right now. I mean, we say our proverb, a bird in hand is worth two in the bush. There's a way we can fill our mind with what is in hand right now that it doesn't allow us to make room for what God wants to do in our lives. Amen. Amen. Come on, tell your neighbor, you need to be a liberal soul. You see that again in the story of Hannah and Samuel. Hannah had waited many years for a child and she was technically barren at that time. And she went into the temple to pray. And she was telling God, Lord, if you give me, if you, if you just give me, if you just give me this one child, I give him to you. I give him. There was no promise that she was going to have five more. The Bible says she did, in fact, have five more. But at that material point in time, there was nothing that suggested that she was going to have five more. But she said, you know what, God? You give me one child, just assume it's yours. Just as, just, in fact, it's yours. Why am I, it's your own. And we know how the story goes. I mean, some of us have to get to that level concerning our personal businesses, concerning things that we have been praying and trusting God about and for. You know, in my giving, in my personal walk, in my personal walk with God concerning giving and just learning to be generous towards God, I've just seen God take me through so many different levels through so many different dimensions. I remember this one time, back in the day. It was, um, it was a busy year, that year in the bank. And bonuses, there was rumors of bonuses coming. We were going to get our bonus. And I was expecting something really big that year. I just thought, you know what? It's been a very good year. We've made good profit. So I was expecting a very handsome bonus check. But just before the bonus checks were to be written, I heard a voice in my heart saying, you know what, this one is my own. 
And you know, one of those voices you hear in your mind or in your heart and you think, ah, is that the voice of the devil? Or is that the voice <laughs> of God? You were hearing the voice of God before, but it's at times like that you now begin to ask yourself, is that God speaking? God, if it is you, if it is you, tell me, let me hear your voice loud and clear. You know, but I wrestled with it a bit, but then I just remembered that, you know what? What are you hiding from God? I mean, I had settled it back in the days of earning 20,000 naira um, a month on a salary that couldn't take me home. I had learned how to circumcise my flesh in those days. It wasn't in the days of working in a bank that I would now begin to struggle with God about what is his own and what he wants and what I should give him. And you know, I was sharing with someone earlier today that, you know, from that point in my life, I can count, I can point to so many testimonies of supernatural provision Things I hadn't even begun to pray for. I mean, I'll tell you this one. Just after that time, after I gave God that bonus check, I recall this day just thinking in my house one day that, ah, we need a generator. And I think I just mentioned it in passing to my husband. I think we need a generator. We didn't even pray about it. We didn't even gather scriptures, which is our custom. Normally when we're trying to build our faith towards something, we gather scriptures, we make a list, we put it up on the wall so that our faith can connect. I'm telling you that we didn't even get to that stage of beginning to build our faith towards it. I just mentioned it casually, I think, to my husband. I think we need a generator. And we went out to work that day. And someone gives us a call and says, Hmm, Pastor Godman, do you need a generator? A 27 kVA generator. And like joke, we just simply walked to the generator store that week and picked up our generator. Fully paid not from our pockets. Do you get what I'm saying? You begin to receive strange harvests. Again, I think about two years after that time, I recall someone just walks up to me in church. Back then we were um, in Desta at that time. Someone just walks up to me in church that day and comes to ask me, oh, are you Pastor Godman's wife, um, Mrs. Bola Akinabi? And I say yes. She's like, oh, okay. God asked me to give you something. And while I was still trying to figure out what it could be, I thought, I don't know, maybe a perfume, maybe a nice handbag. I don't know what it could be. She hands me the keys to a CRV that she had just bought. Yes. Yes. The same way you're looking incredulous was how I felt completely awed and blown away that day. And I just began to ask God, is this how you do your own thing? Is this how you do your own thing? Say, okay, which check do you want me to write now? Tell me now. (laughs) You get what I'm saying? There's something about the liberality of your soul where before you even know the prayer point is coming, the Lord has already laid it in the heart. I mean, I could go into so many details tonight, but that's not what we're about. What we are about tonight is reminding you that the God that you serve is limitless in his potential. He is limitless in his power. And the Bible says he knows those things that you have need of even before you ask. So those times where you wrestle and you struggle in the night and say, but Lord, look at my own needs. Look at the things I want. He knows those things already. And if he is setting you up, then it means he has something bigger up the road for you. Amen. Amen. Be generous towards God. So the liberal soul also starts with what is in hand, but it doesn't stop with what is convenient. The liberal soul recognizes that anything can be a seed. Your current level, this level that you are praying and fasting about, Lord, take me higher. Lord, take me to a new place of this level. That it can also be a seed. Amen. The Shunammite woman knew about that. You recall the story in 2 Kings 4. The Bible says that Elisha generally passed by a place. And this Shunammite woman just noticed that, ah, this prophet, let's give him something to eat. And let's give him a, let's give him some, let's refresh him while he's passing. After some time, the Bible says she walks up to her husband and says, you know what, let's build a small chalet here so that he has somewhere to rest. And we know how the story goes. At some point, the prophet just asked, ah, this woman that did all of this, doesn't she have any need? And she got a son. Amen. 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 He asked, what can be done for you? Should I talk to the king? Should I, you know, lobby the king on your matter? She was like, no, 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 that's, I'm fine. 
But his servant, amen, thank God for his servant, noticed that ah, she doesn't have a child. And then the prophet gave a word. Don't worry, your child. Amen. 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 Anything can be a seed. Anything can be a seed. But it, it has to start and come from a liberal soul, a liberality of soul that allows you to look beyond the limitations or the arguments that tell you that's not for people like you. Let's leave it for the wealthy people. Let's leave it for the Bill Gates to be solving world problems. Why? Why? I believe that God is calling us higher tonight. Amen. 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 Finally, a liberal soul always has its finger on heaven's pulse. And because a liberal soul has its finger on God's on heaven's pulse, a liberal soul provokes dangerous blessings, dangerous dimensions of blessings. Amen. Your liberality of soul builds a wall of protection ahead of the evil day. Remember the story of Rhoda. The Bible describes that she died and People were showing the apostles, look, look, see what she gave us. Look what she made for us. This is the kind of person she was. She can't die. She was too generous to die. And we know how the story goes. She was raised up from the dead. Amen. Amen. There's also Cornelius. The Bible says that God said that his offerings had risen up to heaven like a memorial. There's something about our generosity of spirit and our giving are just being willing to be poured out towards the things of God that just sets us up for higher levels and new things. Amen. You know, and every time I thank God for the ability to release and to give him what I have at this level, I always take my mind back to where I started from on my faith journey, on my giving journey. I remember this one day, Coming from work, then my office was in a papa. It was a job that I was trusting God, you know, that he would promote me from. Amen? When you start praying, God, please sack me. This job, I, I, I'm okay. <laughs> Just help me, sack me from this job, you know. It was that kind of job. And I recall that we had a weekend retreat. And in the middle of all that, um, my boss came and said, okay, I have this question. If anyone can answer this question, I'll give them 20,000 naira cash. At that time, that 20,000 naira was more than my entire month's salary. So, of course, I got up very quickly and answered the question very happily. And contrary to what everybody thought he would do, my boss actually did give the money. Everyone was like, ah, what happened today? It looks like you used good soap to bath, you know. But I remember that day I took that money and I began to count and calculate, oh, I'm going to do this with this money, oh, I'm going to do that with this money, and began to make a plan in my head. And as I journeyed in the bus that day, God just began to whisper into my heart, you know what, as you go now, just go straight to church, just go, just go straight to church, just, just go. I mean, I wasn't a pastor's wife at the time, I wasn't even in a relationship at the time, just in case you think that this anointing is just for pastors and pastor's wives. I was just simply a girl who loved God and just wanted to be rich towards him. And as I journeyed in the bus, you know, I stopped. The bus would always stop at the bus stop of my house before I got to the bus stop going to church. And a thought just whispered in my ear that, you know, you could actually drop out of this bus. Go and keep the money at home and continue (laughs) on your way to church. And then again, I asked, where do you want to hide anything from God? Where? Where do I want to hide it that God will not find it? So I want to go to church without the money in my pocket so that, so to say what exactly? And I quickly bound that lying devil. And I said, you know what, God, even if you want more than this, if you want my heart, if you want my soul, I give it. I said, shame on you, devil. And I got to church that day. And I still recall to this day, um, my pastor, Pastor Reverend Sam, raised an offering that day. He said, God instructed me and told me tonight to speak to the congregation. And he read from Psalm 50. I'll never forget. Psalm 50 and verse 5. It says, gather 
to me my saints, those who have made a covenant with me by sacrifice. And God knew that that night, that 20,000 naira was like a million to me. I mean, God knew that it was like a million to me that night. You know, and I'd already settled the question coming from work anyway. God had already told me before I got to church that you are going to. Uh-huh. So we didn't struggle after that. Took it out and I dropped it. But I said, you know what, God, I dropped this. I give this to you tonight. And just at that point, uh, my pastor read out from Psalm 50, the same Psalm 50 from verse 15. And he says, you will call to me and I will answer. You will call to me in the evil day and I will answer. And you know, I just took that word. I, I just knew that that word was going to produce for me. I just, I just knew it. I knew beyond the shadow of a doubt. I knew that that word was going to produce for me. And not long after that, I went to interview at a job. And on my way to the interview, it just dropped like, you know, the way, you, the way a shoe, a heavy boot would drop. And you would hear it drop, you know, with a loud clunk. It was like, what does a perfectly inelastic supply curve look like? Before you tune out, I read economics in school. Amen. I'm not about to give you an economics lesson. But it just dropped in my heart. What does a perfectly inelastic supply curve look like? And so I just quickly, in the bus, tried to remind myself, okay, what does it look like? All of that. Okay, good. All right. So I knew it. And I got into this interview. It was like four or five different stages of interviews. But I got to this interview and everyone in the room looking so intimidating. Everyone in the room looking like, you know. And the first or second question, I don't remember which, if, if, if it was the first or second, but about the second or so question they asked me that day was, what does a perfectly inelastic supply curve look like? And you know, up until that time, I was still like, hey, this girl, what am I doing here? Am I, am I going to, oh, you know, God help me. But you know, the minute that question rang out in that interview that day, I simply squared my shoulders Are you kidding? God has given me this job. This is my evil day and I've called to you. Lord, you have answered me. You've heard me. And the rest is history. I spent 13 13 years on that job. Nobody could kick me out because God gave me that job. Amen. 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 What am I saying tonight? You provoke dangerous things. When you come to that place where God can command you at any time and say, you know what, that is mine. That is mine. And you know, there are things that we fast and we pray. I mean, and thank God for fasting. Fasting is a spiritual discipline. We must fast. Amen? If you want to grow in the spirit, things of the spirit, you must fast. But what I'm saying tonight is that sometimes there are things that we fast and we pray about that God is simply asking us to be obedient about. Amen. So I don't know what your journey has been like walking with God. I mean, I, I, I'll tell you my journey with God. It has been from one level to the next. Sometimes it was more painful than at other times. But every time I said, you know, you, every time I said, God, you can have your way. God, I won't withhold this from you. God, I see that you are able to do much more than what I can see, touch, feel, taste. I mean, there will be seasons in your walk with God, in the liberality of your soul, that you turn around and you ask yourself, ah, me. But that is what God can do with you and in your life if you're willing to walk with him. Amen. It's only if you're willing to walk with him. Amen. Philippians 4.19 says, my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory. It's not about your riches in glory. It's about his riches in glory. So I want to challenge someone in the room tonight. If you've been at the level where, you know, I, I, I give to God. I know I give to God. I mean, I bless God for your life. I thank God that you have been at that level. But I suspect tonight that God may be calling you to a higher place. And you know, I'm not raising an offering tonight. I can assure you that's not my brief here. But you know where God wants to take you. You know, 
you know, you know where he wants to take you. Maybe he has nudged you a few times. And it's been just so difficult to break out of your current level. It's just been so difficult for you to take the limits off your mind, to imagine. You mean I can empty my account and God will still keep me and sustain me? He has done it for me. He can do it with you. Amen. Amen. So I just invite you for a moment or two to just look inwards and ask yourself, Lord, what is that next level? What is that next level that you have for me in my finances? What is that next level that you desire for me to enter into? The Bible says that unless a corn of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it abides alone. I want you to ask the Lord tonight, what is that next level that you desire for me in my finances? Help me. Help me tonight. Maybe like the father of that young boy, you want to say, Lord, help my faith. Help. Help my faith. I want to leave this level where I'm struggling with you over what belongs to you. I belong to you. My soul, my very soul belongs to you. Help me. Lord, I ask tonight for everyone who has struggled in this area of their finances. For everyone, Lord, that you have sought to take to a higher place, to a new level of dominion. And there has just been a struggle. Father, Lord, I ask tonight that prison doors will be open in the name of Jesus. I ask tonight, Lord, that shackles will be broken in the name of Jesus. Lord, I ask tonight that your people will walk free in the name of Jesus. I ask, Father, Lord, that you will let the light of your gospel dawn on someone's heart. Let them see, let him see, let her see that she's a rich, righteous woman, that he is a rich, righteous man. And that he has grace for liberality. Father, we bless you and we thank you tonight. Thank you for your word. That brings enlightenment and illumination to our hearts. We bless your name and we exalt you. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. And then, I just want to give the opportunity to someone. 